She's safe. She's on a plane. She's on her way home. After months of being unjustly detained in Russia, held under intolerable circumstances, Brittany will soon be back in the arms of her loved ones, and, uh, and she should have been there all along. Finally, Brittany Griner is free. More than nine months after the WNBA star was arrested in Russia, the White House announced this morning that they were able to negotiate for her release as part of a prisoner swap. Griner's wife, Sherelle, was there for that announcement. So over the last nine months, you all have been um, so privy to one of the darkest moments of my life. And so today I'm just standing here um, overwhelmed with emotions, but... The most important emotion that I have right now is just sincere gratitude um, for President Biden and his entire administration. This is a joyful day for so many people who were terrified about what the future would hold for one of the world's most famous basketball players. But it's also a complicated moment because this deal that the U.S. made, it could have big consequences for the future. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Thursday, December 8th. Today, I'm talking with national security reporter Shane Harris to take us behind the scenes of how the U.S. negotiated Griner's release. We'll hear about the notorious arms dealer that she was traded for and how this prisoner swap might affect other Americans still detained in Russia and around the world. So, Shane, under what conditions is Brittany Griner being released? And can you just, like, outline a little bit about this deal that was made? So, Brittany Griner is being released from a Russian prison in exchange for the United States commuting the sentence and releasing a man who was held in a U.S. prison. That man's name is Victor Boot. He had been serving a lengthy prison sentence uh, in connection to his work as a convicted arms trader and smuggler. So this is a swap. Basically, both sides are saying, all right, we'll let the other go. The books are cleaned. We're even now. Brittany Griner gets to come home. Victor Boot goes back to Russia. I know that the swap was on the table for a long time. I mean, we talked about it months ago as a potential option here. Why is it happening now? Why is this the moment that the U.S. government has said, okay, let's let's go ahead and do this? Well, it's always a good question as the why now when these things happen. Because these negotiations, as you pointed out, Martine, I mean, they've, they've been going on for a long time. And they have been kind of a negotiation, I think that it's fair to say, has felt a bit one-sided. The United States wanted two people in this exchange. They wanted Brittany Griner and they wanted a man named Paul Whelan, uh, who has been in Russia since 2018 and is currently serving a sentence on espionage charges, which we should say he contests and the United States thinks are trumped up. And the Russians just kept resisting that, we understand from U.S. officials saying, nope, we're not doing two for one. You know, it was, it was clear they wanted a one for one. So apparently they had some kind of breakthrough. We will maybe learn more in the hours and days ahead on exactly why this happened right now. Um, but the United States was willing to make this deal. Paul Whelan's family put out a statement, interestingly, on Thursday morning saying that the U.S. government just didn't have any concession for him that Russia was willing to accept. So I think the picture we're getting here and also from U.S. officials that we've been speaking to is that, you know, finally it was just clear the Russians were only going to do a one-for-one deal. It appears the Biden administration finally said okay to that. And then, you know, now we have Brittany Griner getting on a plane and coming home. 
I also wonder, perhaps a little bit cynically, how much of this has to do with the fact that the midterms are over, that there was always political blowback when a president um, chooses to do a deal like this. And that waiting till after the midterms, he figured that he could kind of let that that blowback blow over a little bit more. Yeah, I think that there's always the question of what is the political timing here? What is the politics influencing this kind of decision? And I think we'll learn more about this as time goes on. But I, I don't think that that's, I don't think that's bad, you know, speculation. I mean, this is easier for the president to do when they are not in the midst of an election, um, because there will be people who criticize this decision. I mean, there often are in cases like this, but the president is in a different kind of moment now than he was prior to the midterms. Uh, that's not to say that they weren't trying to get these people freed. They were, but there is maybe a window of opportunity that is better now, politically more advantageous than it was prior to um, November. Though, you know, when I think of potential criticism for the fact that this deal was made, I mean, there's a pretty valid argument that this is not a fair swap. You have a basketball player versus an arms dealer. So, so let's talk a little bit more about Victor Boot, who he is, and why Russia wanted him back so badly. Victor Boot, he may be one of the most notorious criminals in the world. Um, he, he was convicted in 2011 on charges including conspiring to kill American citizens uh, in his connection to, connection to his work as an arms dealer, um, someone who U.S. officials have long said has deep ties to the Russian government and to the Russian intelligence community. Um, you know, he was known as the merchant of death. His story Seriously? The merchant of death? Yeah, he oh the, the nickname the merchant of death among uh, intelligence officials in the U.S. I mean, he had evaded capture for years. The movie Lord of War in 2005 starring Nicolas Cage is based on a character kind of fashioned on Victor wow. Boot. Um, so, you know, he is a very big fish and he is someone who has held, I think, both symbolic importance for the Russian government, who have always said, officials there, that he was, you know, entrapped on a U.S. sting and falsely accused, and this is basically an unjust trial, but also real practical significance. He, there's a lot of evidence that he worked very closely with Russian military intelligence sources that I have contact with, and the U.S. intelligence community have said that as well. And I think what's also important is as far as we know, while Victor Boot was in prison, he never talked. He never turned on his friends in Russia. He never gave up names or information, mm -hmm. as far as we can tell, in exchange for a more lenient sentence. So I think it's fair to say that the Russian government, uh, in getting him back, will view this as a big political win for them and will say to others who might get captured by American law enforcement, hey, you know, if you just hold firm and, you know, don't rat us out uh, and stay true to the cause, you know, we'll try and get you back. So then what are the implications for the rest of the world now that this arms dealer is free? I mean, obviously, this is a symbolic win for Russia, but Russia is also in the middle of a war. And I wonder whether it really helps them on a logistical level to have boot back in Russia. It might, conceivably. I mean, I suppose he could go back into business. I mean, he ran a fairly extensive transportation network that was, you know, kind of enabled the arms smuggling. I think what this is, this is a moment, though, when Vladimir Putin desperately needs wins because he's not winning in Ukraine. This will be seen as a victory at home. He will certainly portray it that way. Another, I think, practical implication of this that we have to consider is will this give Russia incentives to try and capture other Americans mm. 
uh, in Russia. Now, I doubt that there are that many in Russia right now. But we have to remember, you know, Brittany Griner was arrested. You know, she was found to have these cartridges, these vape cartridges that had cannabis. She said she had an explanation for it. She didn't intend to pack them. She was given a nine-and-a-half-year sentence in a labor camp. I mean, compare, there's no comparison between what she has done and what Victor Boot did. Nevertheless, she was a celebrity, very famous, very successful athlete, and the Russians knew that. And they knew, I think, that they could leverage that um, notoriety and the attention that it's, you're going to get any time an American is taken hostage in Russia to get Victor Boot back. And one former CIA official I was in touch with just this morning who did a lot of work on Russian operations said, look, I'm happy that Brittany Reiner is coming home, but this is just going to create incentives for Russian intelligence agencies to try and ensnare or even entrap an American in the future and negotiate for more releases. This often comes up in these kinds of swaps when you have you know, the the question of whether or not it encourages more hostage-taking and more prisoner-taking by the other side. And I would point and out, given, not just for Russia, right? I mean, this could also send a message to other countries, other governments that are hostile to the U.S., that this is how you get stuff you want from the U.S., is you just grab an American, especially one that's high-profile, and that's your starting point in a negotiation. Yeah, exactly. And this is, something, this is something that came up repeatedly when Americans years ago were taken prisoner by terrorist groups, including uh, ISIS or the Islamic State. And, you know, it's consistently been the position of many administrations that, you know, we don't negotiate with terrorists. We don't do swaps for, for terrorists. But the United States has done swaps with groups like the Taliban. It has done spy swaps with Russia in terms of, like, trading people who were actually Russian spies who were convicted in U.S. prison and trading them for people who had spied for the West in exchange. So there's precedent for this. Where this starts to get squishy, though, is that Griner is a civilian. I mean, she's a basketball player. Victor Boot was convicted of being, you know, an arm of the Russian intelligence services. Yeah. And so I think it makes a lot of people in the intelligence community and maybe even in the world of diplomacy nervous because of the uneven nature of this, which is not to say that, you know, look, the U.S. government did everything it could to get Brittany Griner home, and people should be, I think, very joyful that she's going to be home with her wife and with her family, particularly since I think the conditions of her imprisonment were so unfair and really appalling. At the same time, this is going to create an environment in which Theoretically, you know, other countries look at this and say, hmm, the United States is willing to trade somebody as important as Victor Boot for somebody who, you know, while famous is, you know, she's not a spy, she wasn't a diplomat, um, maybe we should try this. Um, I think that's a risk, and I'm, I'm certain that Biden administration officials considered that. They would have had to. After the break... We'll talk more about Paul Whelan, the American hostage who was left out of this deal. We'll be right back. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty, host of On Point. Our big number is one. One episode per day, one story per episode, one really deep dive. At a time when the world is more complex than ever, On Point's daily dedicated conversation takes the time to make the world more intelligible. From the state of democracy to AI to the wonders of the natural world. That's On Point from WBUR, one podcast we think you should subscribe to. So Shane, 
I also want to talk a little bit more about Paul Whelan. And I was surprised in, in the remarks this morning by President Biden and by Griner's wife, Sherelle. They both talked about Paul Whelan and his family um, and the fact that he is not released and that this was probably a, a bittersweet moment for his family to know that he could have been part of this deal but was not. BG's not here to say this, but I will gladly speak on her behalf and say that BG and I will remain committed to the work of getting every American home, including Paul. So can you talk a little bit more about him, who he is, and how he ended up in this situation in Russia? Paul Whelan is a former Marine who was arrested in 2018 while he was in Moscow attending a wedding. And the circumstances of his arrest and subsequent trial are, are quite strange. Um, he was handed a thumb drive by an acquaintance that he claims he thought contained photographs, just sort of innocuous photographs. And the Russian security services said, no, this had classified information on it, and they accused Paul Whelan of espionage and convicted him at a trial that he and most U.S. officials, I think, agree was basically a sham trial. Um, he was sentenced to a lengthy um, hard labor sentence in a penal colony, and so he's been really captive in Russia since 2018. The Biden administration had proposed this swap of Victor Boot for Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan. And what we know from talking to U.S. officials and also from statements that Paul Whelan's family has made is that the Russians were just really never, it seemed, very interested in that. They didn't want to do two for one. They wanted one for one. We don't exactly know why it is that the Russians were unwilling to include Paul Whelan in this exchange, but I think the implication here leads us to conclude that what the Russians want in exchange for Paul Whelan is a Russian spy in the United States. Mm -hmm. They want somebody who has been convicted and is now imprisoned of being an intelligence official or working with an intelligence agency so that they might paint this as a spy swap, even though, we should be clear, there's really no evidence that Paul Whelan was a spy. Um, but the Russian government, and I think Vladimir Putin, would like to portray this as a spy swap. That strikes me as probably one of the more plausible explanations for why they haven't given him back. David Whelan, Paul's brother, put out a statement this morning in which he noted that, you know, he was thrilled that Brittany Griner was coming home. They, they, they led with that in their statement, and they were very happy for her and her wife. Uh, but he said, it's clear that the United States does not have a concession. It does not have something it can offer that the Russians will take. Mm -hmm. So if you kind of read between the lines a little bit there, what he's saying is that the Russians have a price for Paul Whelan, but it's going to be something different. It's not going to be Victor Boot. And I can imagine that there are probably people who are also wondering, like, how much of this is just a product of name recognition? Paul Whelan is not famous. Brittany Griner is. He has been there for several years longer than she was imprisoned, but that she becomes a priority because she is such a big name. Yeah, I think this, this is the difficult question that, that comes up, and we will learn more about this as we go. And Paul Whelan, you know, has been—he was sentenced to a longer sentence. He's been there longer. Um, you know, when Brittany Griner was arrested, you know, we have to remember this was not long before Russia invaded Ukraine. And the circumstances around her arrest were initially quite opaque. We learned more about it. And, you know, her arrest and subsequent conviction and imprisonment, I think, became something that was very linked in the public's imagination as well to the war in Ukraine. Ukraine and became very high profile. Um, you know, Paul Whelan, while there's been a lot of coverage of his case, he's not a household 
name. The trial itself was it was a bit more opaque, I think. So it does raise this question of like, you know, why why did she go first? Was this entirely because of the Russians? Could the Biden administration have pushed harder for both of them? Those are difficult questions that we're going to have to ask in the days to come. Um, for right now, you know, the Wheeland family is saying that they're very happy for Brittany Griner. But if you read the statement they put out, it's a very pessimistic tone that they are striking and mm-hmm. they are beginning to, they are now very worried that he will ever be freed. Um, so I think his situation is, has been grave uh, and it doesn't seem as though it's improved. And and do you think the attention around the Griner case could be helpful going forward for other Americans who are taken hostage that we have more of a public consciousness about these kinds of situations um, than we did maybe a year ago? I think it could be helpful, yeah, exactly, just as you said, because it raises the level of awareness for it and potentially puts some pressure on Biden administration officials to negotiate. I mean, I think it's also important to underscore that the administration was willing to negotiate. I mean, some administrations have taken different positions on these kinds of issues where they are far less willing to entertain these kinds of exchanges unless it's something like a pure spy swap Mm -hmm. uh, or there are other circumstances, in part because they don't want to encourage this kind of prisoner taking in the future. So the Biden administration is kind of, you know, it's open to discussing these issues. And they've said, I mean, President Biden said clearly this morning, we have not forgotten Paul Whelan. They will keep going. So if we look back on this, I think it's quite possible that Brittany Griner's arrest and her imprisonment, while, you know, thankfully brief uh, in the grand scheme of things, shined a light on the plight of other Americans who are there and has generated more demand, perhaps, and more political pressure to do more to get these people home. So let's talk a little bit more about what what life will be like for for Griner going forward. We know that she is on her way back to the U.S. as we speak right now. But what's going to happen once she arrives? What 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 is it like for a for a hostage once they're freed and they come back? Well, the first thing, and we know this from people who've been in similar experiences. Obviously, they will be. First thing I'm sure they're want, going to want to do is give a huge hug and lots of kisses to their loved ones and embrace their family and just get back to some kind of normal routine. Doing that is a whole other matter. Uh, There will be all kinds of reporters who want to talk to them. Almost certainly there will be government officials who will want to talk Mm -hmm. to Brittany Griner extensively and debrief her about her experience in Russia. Um, You know, where were you held? What was it like? Who talked to you? Usually, you know, the intelligence agencies in particular want to learn everything they can as quickly and as recently as it's in the person's memory when they come back. Respecting the fact that also she's very likely could be traumatized. Um, You know, she will potentially have a long road ahead of her uh, in terms of of counseling and therapy, things that she'll have to deal with uh, that are lingering from her experience. I think in our minds, you know, it, it's, we, we can conceive of the kind of the jubilation and, and the, um, the happiness that comes from a reunion and this kind of freedom. But, you know, this person has been through a hellish, nightmarish experience that very few people will ever have to suffer. And she's going to have to work a lot of that out. I suspect she will never want to go back to Russia. And, you know, and it really raises in my mind some questions, too, about, you know, what does this do for... her career as a basketball player. Mm -hmm. Not just, you know, will she feel up to playing? Mm -hmm. That's maybe a separate question. But the reason Brittany Griner was in Russia was because that is how she, like a lot of other professional female athletes, supplement their income and also stay sharp and stay in shape is by playing overseas. Will she feel comfortable doing that? 
Um, so there's a lot of questions that she's going to have to answer for herself based on this experience. So it's, it's um, you know, hostages, former hostages go through, you know, uh, stages and waves of emotions traditionally with this. And, and there are just tons of people that want to talk to them, but they also would like to get back to their normal life. So it's going to be, it will not be a quiet holiday season for the Griner family, I would suspect. Yeah, Shane, it feels almost selfish to ask that question of, well, is she going to play basketball again? Like, will I have the opportunity to see her on a court again? Um, and I'm sure that for her and her family, that is not the biggest priority now. But I think it just speaks to, like, what was lost for her, too, in addition to the fact that there, I'm sure, as you said, is this profound amount of trauma for what she's experienced, for what she feared she would be experiencing over the next decade. Um, it's also, you know, this is a this is a person of incredibly rare talent and athletic genius. And that is something that was really, I think, not lost, but but really threatened here and that there that there is something that is lost there, too. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and, and you know, and I think you phrased it the right way. It's like, you know, we, we it almost feels selfish, but there's a part of me that thinks that, you know, gosh, think of what a huge example she could be for resilience, you know, and an example of somebody who went through something terrible, but she gets back up and she plays again. Think of the attention that she'll bring to women's basketball and wherever she plays. You know, uh, th- these are things we, you know, we all, we all hope that she can get back and have her, have her career again. But for people who've been through something like this, you know, it's, 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 I doubt that it is something you certainly can't ever forget it, but this will always kind of be part of her biography now as well. So I do wonder, you know, whether she might want to just get back to playing because it's, no, it's what she knows best how to do, and it's a way of trying to move on from this experience. But she will forever be, you know, Brittany Griner, great basketball player, former Russian prisoner, right? This is just, it, it's, it's, it's a part of the narrative for her now. Shane, thank you so much for explaining all this. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Shane Harris covers national security and intelligence for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Jordan Marie Smith. It was mixed by Renny Spernofsky, and it was edited by Maggie Penman. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen.